Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. We're in the middle of a series titled Behave Differently. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have anybody at your house that could use some behavior modification? All right, anybody, anybody got any kids like myself under the age of five that my wife would probably say, Jacob, you're the one that needs some behavior modification. And I'll admit to that, all right? I'll admit to that. Um, it's been so good. Really, our heart, my dad and I, as we got together, we said, you know, what do the people of VLC need? And we really wanted to look at all of the one another's throughout Scripture. John eleven thirty five 35 says, by this, they will know. Who is Jesus talking about? The world. They will know that you are my disciples. The believers, they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And so we looked at loving one another. We looked at being patient with one another. Man, some of us could use some more, more patience. We looked at being unified with one another. And last week, my dad did a phenomenal job of talking about um, forgiving one another. And how many of us are, are walking in perhaps sin because we have not offered forgiveness to the people that we're supposed to offer forgiveness to. And it's by these things that not only are we honoring God, but it's by these things that we're living a testimony for other people who are watching and observing. So if you have your Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter 5. And Paul, who's writing to the believers in Thessalonica, He's writing a message to them. They're, they're doing really well. And he's wanting them to know about the, the day of the Lord that is coming. But he also wants them to know what the, the ministry of the church looks like. And they seem to be doing a really good job. And he, he wanted to say something in verse, I'm just gonna read one verse and, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna share something and we'll pray. But this is verse 11 of chapter five. He says, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I'm gonna read it again because it's only one verse and it's really short. And I'm, we're, gonna, we're gonna read a lot of verses, all right? We're, we're a church that likes to read the Bible, so we're gonna, re, we're gonna read the Bible today. Therefore, encourage one another. Do me a favor, tell the person next to you, I might be sitting here today to do exactly this. I might be sitting here today, just so you know. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I wonder what it would look like for this to be a place, for this to be a church where everyone, could you imagine everyone being your, your greatest cheerleader? Could you imagine how awesome would, would it be to show up to a place where everybody is believing in you, they're loving you, they're praying for you, they're cheering you on? What would it look like if you were down, you came to church and people picked you right back up? What would it look like if you found success early throughout the week and you showed up and we celebrated you and we put you on a chair and put you on our shoulders like they do at weddings and lifted you up and said, come on, come on, this is amazing, this is incredible. How awesome. I believe that Victory Life Church can be a church just like that. And I believe we're doing a pretty good job at it, right? It was, a, it was in 2014. That was a long time ago, 2014, November 15th. I had a student, I was a youth pastor up in Boca Raton and, I, and there was a student who, who played football. And he was on his way to the state championship. And I said, if you make it to the state championship, I will paint my body in body paint and I will put your numbers on, on my face. 
I probably couldn't do that now, but I, I could then, all right? And so um, he made it to the state championship, and I had to go get body paint. So I dragged some other kids with me. I said, you're doing this with me. And so, so I dragged them with me. We bought some body paint. We went to the church. We covered ourselves in their colors. I put his number on my face, and we drove to that stadium, which was an issue because we should have put the body paint on after we got in my car because the body paint was then all over my seats. We got to the front row. We grabbed some pom-poms. We grabbed some, some wigs. We did everything we could to show. In fact, I got, a, I got a picture for you. Let me show it, all right? This is, uh, well, it was, it's going to show up in just a second. But this is us being at that game saying, we are for you. Now, listen, I wasn't, you know, the team, I was for the team, sure. I was for the sport, sure. But I was there for that particular individual. I was cheering, her on, cheering them on. By the way, that particular person that we went there for just signed with the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL. So if it wasn't for, for me, I'm just kidding. If it wasn't for my, <laughs> I pray he remembers me. Um, so, so, I mean, what would it look like in a world full of, full of selfishness, full of covetousness, full of envy, full of, 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 of putting yourself before anybody else? in a world where many aren't afraid to step on people to get to the top. I wanna to propose a different approach today. I wanna to propose a different kind of behavior. And the title of this morning's message is gonna cause you to bring out, come on Monique, come on, bring out the pom-poms. Come on somebody, bring out the pom-poms, okay? Hey, uh, I wanna to talk today um, and I want you to know that God has called you not to be a discourager of others, but to be an encourager of others, amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Lord, so many, so many hurting people are here are walking in discouragement because they have not been surrounded by a body of believers or a community of people who are walking in encouragement and doing what you've called us to do. And so I pray today that we are encouraged to be cheerleaders. We're encouraged to bring out the, the pom-poms and celebrate and cheer people on. In Jesus' name, everybody said one more time. Amen. Somebody say, bring out the pom-poms. There we go. There we go. I'm not going to tell you to bring out the, the skirts or anything like that. We're just going to say pom-poms, okay? We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, I, you know what? You know what? I'm going to teach you how to cheer, though, okay? I will teach you how to cheer. I won't teach you how to spell because anytime I try and do those cheer, those cheer spell things, I just, I, just, uh, I just don't get it. I don't spell it right. But what, what if I told you? that there, there was a weapon that the enemy used that was far deadly, deadlier than hate, far deadlier than envy, far deadlier than gossip, and it would be the method that he uses of discouragement. Discouragement is powerful and does a lot of damage to a person. It can stop progress. It can cause division. Write this down. Discouragement can make a great person greatly ineffective. Here's why, because when you are discouraged, what ends up happening is you stop praying. You stop reading the Bible. You stop showing up to church. You stop communicating well and being honest, and you say things like, I'm good, I'm, I'm okay. Discouragement can cause a great person to be greatly ineffective, and you know, if I ever get discouraged, I oftentimes revert to isolation. I don't really communicate well, I don't smile a whole lot. And you know what starts to happen then? When we start walking in discouragement, when we start living in discouragement, we start to make up things. I don't know if any of you have made up things so much that eventually what ends up happening and how the enemy uses that is he causes you to believe those things. Because how many know the, the enemy is a liar? In fact, Jesus confronts this to some people, Jewish believers who were believing in him, and odds are there were some others 
perhaps religious leaders that, that didn't believe in him. And they were struggling with this idea in John chapter 8 that Jesus preaches. He says, you need to be free. You're enslaved. And they're like, our, our, our father is Abraham. We are not enslaved anymore. And this is what Jesus responds. He says this in verse, chapter, uh, chap, verse 48 of chapter 8. And, and I promise you, this is not a passage that is being preached in many churches. If Jesus were here today, we would not want this message. But this is what he says. He said to those people, you belong to the father, the devil. He said, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He did it to Eve in the garden when he convinced her that the fruit that she did not have and, and so desired would give her what God was holding um, back from her. He told Cain to lie about killing his brother Abel. So, Eve has, or so the enemy has done this at the very beginning of time. And, he, and here's how powerful he is. And here's how powerful discouragement is. Because if he can get you to start walking in discouragement, he's going to convince you that you're not enough. He's going to convince you that you're not pretty enough. He's going to convince you that what God has called you to do is not going to happen. And that everybody around you doesn't like you. They don't believe in you. They're not fighting for you. You are pointless. You are worthless. You don't matter. And if he can get you to that point, you might begin to think those things are true. All throughout scripture, it's full of people who are, in, who are walking in discouragement. In fact, you remember Job, in light of what Job was going on, what was going on in Job's life. He said this in Job chapter 3. He said, better the day of my death than the day of my birth. Elijah walked in discouragement. You, you remember Elijah the prophet, who was an incredible prophet of God and did incredible things. As soon as he found out that there was this woman by the name of Jezebel that was after to kill him, he became discouraged. And then he began and this is what discouragement does. It comes upon you, and then it convinces you to believe a lie. And what did Elijah believe? That he was the only one left. And 1 Kings chapter 19 records him even crying out to God, God, take my life. They were discouraged by what they saw. They were discouraged by what they heard. In fact, if you go to Moses and the Israelites, talk about, talk about discouragement. In fact, go with me to Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, we're going, to, we're going to read a little bit if that's okay with you. Numbers chapter 13. What about the spies that Moses sends to the land that God has promised? Look at verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1. It says, we're going to read a little bit, and I'm going to jump to verse 20-something, okay? It said, the Lord said to Moses, I want you to send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. There's the, there's the promise. Somebody say promise. We just sang about it. I'm confident because of his faithfulness and his promises because I know his promises are yes and amen. So he says, I'm going to give you this land, but I need, you to, I need you to send some men to explore it. Notice how he says explore. You know the story. It didn't seem like they were exploring much. And so from each ancestral tribe send one of its leaders. Verse 3, at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of Israelites. So these men, these ten spies, they go out into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And they bring back a report to Moses and his brother Aaron. This is in verse 27. So they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, Moses. And it surely does flow with milk and honey. Remember, God said the promised land will flow with milk and honey. He says, Look, the ten spies come back. Moses, it's true. 
Everything that God has promised, it's there. And in fact, here's the evidence, and they bring back fruit. Come on. This, Moses, the land is so good. And then you get to the next verse, which starts off with that three-letter word that we despise in the Scripture, and that is but. They were so confident. They were so thankful that the land that God had promised them was real and it was there. But this is what happens in verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And here's where the, here's where the discouragement starts to sink in. The ten spies who went to the, to the land of Canaan that God promised, they saw the fruit, they saw the milk and the, and the honey. Now they start to see something else. They said there's a bunch of, there's the Amalekites live there, the, the Hittites, the Jebusites. Look at verse 30. But Caleb silenced the people and he said, no, we, we should go up and take possession of the land. But 31, but the men had gone up with him. They said, we can't attack these people. And here's where the discouragement begins to turn into a lie. They are stronger than we are. They were discouraged by what they saw. And now they convinced themselves that they were weaker than the people in the land that God has promised them. And so this is what happens. And this is why the devil is so good at causing division and destroying not just one person, but an entire body, an entire family. Because here's what's happened. So, so they're discouraged. They believe now this lie that they're too weak. In verse 32, they start to spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are great in size. Now, now that is truth. The people that were there were great in size. It says in, in verse 33, the second half, it says, we were like grasshoppers in their own eyes. And look at verse 1 of chapter 14. That night all the people of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. And here's where the enemy has a hold on them now. Because all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and this is the lie that they believed. If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert, why is the Lord bringing us to a land only to let us fall by the sword. All of a sudden, they started making things up. They're too big. We're too weak. We're not going to make it. We'll never make it. In fact, we're going to die. We're going to die by the sword. And then he goes on to say, our wives and our children will be taken as plunder. Who told them these things? Who told them that that was going to happen? God said, I need you to send some men and explore the land. They sent spies. They brought back some truth. And then they convinced themselves that they were going to lose and again, I'm talking about discouragement because I want you to know the power that Satan has on you if you are walking in discouragement. But we're going to be freed from that today. Some of us are going to be free this morning from walking in discouragement. And then I'm going to talk about encouragement, okay? So we're going to get there. But this is important because these men, and by the way, there were two. It said Caleb. It goes on to say that Joshua was also one of the men who said, no, we can do this. We got this. Two out of the ten men had faith. Two out of the ten men, all ten men have seen the the glory of God and the power of God and the miracles of God. But, but eight of them didn't believe that they could walk into what God has promised. And so they start to believe this lie that they're going to die. Their women and children would be taken as plunder. And then they say something very similar to Elijah. Wouldn't it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? It said, we should have just died there in verse 2. We should have just died there. There was a promise but because of the discouragement by what they saw, the enemy used it to convince them to believe a lie that they were never going to make it to the place that God had called them to make it. And here's what I want you to know. When God gives you a promise, when God gives you a promise, 
There is going to be, you have to, know, you have to understand this and you have to know this. There is going to be a gap between when the promise is given and when the promise is fulfilled. Somebody say gap. There's, there is a gap of when God is making a promise and when that promise is being fulfilled. There's a gap between promise and there is a gap between fulfillment. Abraham was promised he was going to have a son at 75 years old. He didn't have one until 100. 25 years when the promise was given to when the promise was fulfilled. David was anointed to be king, someone around maybe 15 years old, to be king over Israel. 15 years later, it wasn't until all of Israel actually saw him as king. The promise was given. 15 years later, the promise is fulfilled. Listen, God gives you promises all throughout Scripture. And some of us have forgotten about these promises because you may be asking like I was asking. Okay, God, you, you promised that if I confess and believe that you will save me, but, but are there promises now that I could be walking into? Are there promises now that I can be stepping into? And there are some. And I wish I had time to break all these down. So I just want to, can I just give you some references and you just write them down? Is that okay? And then go back to them. If you're looking for like, you know, something to put up in your, in your bathroom or on your fridge to say, hey, God, these are the promises that are yes and amen. These are promises that you gave, and I may not have seen them fulfilled yet, but I know they will be. Listen to this. This is Psalm 50, 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. Isaiah 40, 31. We will soar on wings like eagles. I don't know about you, but I'm not always soaring on wings like eagles yet. Matthew eleven twenty eight. James 1.5, Matthew 23, am I going too fast? Yes. <laughs> Matthew 11.28, James 1.5. James 1 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, ask God who gives it generously. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't have any wisdom yet. And I've been praying. Promise given, you're in the gap of the promise being fulfilled. Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. But God, I'm not living in too much good right now. I haven't been seeing it. I haven't been experiencing it. Promise given, promise fulfilled. The last one is Philippians 4.9. Philippians, sorry, Philippians 4.19. The promises are here, but the waiting in the gap is challenging. The, the waiting for it to be fulfilled some of you are waiting to step into the things that God has promised. And it's in that waiting, in that gap of promise and fulfillment that your patience is being tested. That your faith is being tested. That your obedience is being tested by others. Similar to how Job was doing. Why are you even obeying God if what he promised you isn't even happening? And it's there in that moment that something is taking place. We're asking for the promise. We're asking for the change. But here's what I want you to know, and I'll quote Dr. Tony Evans. He said, I can't tell you when your change is going to come, but I can tell you how to make it until your change comes. Come on, that is the, that is the scripture right here. Anybody thankful for the words of God that help us make it until the change comes? This is what this passage is for. Some of you have been, have been waiting, and here's what's taking place. In the waiting, developing is happening. I know we don't like the, the sharpening. We don't like the, the pruning. Oh, we hate the pruning. Ooh, some of, us have, some of us have quit in the pruning season. The developing season is not an easy season. It's not an easy, it's not an easy waiting period. But that development is essential to the maturity that you are supposed to finish with. Yeah? That development is essential. That development needs to happen. you got to be developed first. Romans 15, 4. I love this passage. Paul says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us 
so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Anybody thankful for the hope in Jesus? God, we are so thankful for your hope. We're thankful for your scriptures that help us make it until the change comes. And even when the change comes, guess what? Scripture is going to help us get through it. You know, I was having this conversation with my wife the other day, and I was saying, you know, we have a, we have a one-month-old, and, you know, we, we are breastfeeding. But in the middle of a shortage with formula, I proposed a question. I said, um, and by the way, if, if you know of anybody or you're in this room and you're saying, we, we really need some formula. We have some friends who are fostering that really need some formula. And maybe we can come alongside as a church and help you and bless you and resource you. Um, so we're, ha- we're having this conversation. I said, you know, if, we didn't ha- if you weren't breastfeeding, if we didn't have any formula, we couldn't find any formula, could we give our newborn solid food? And she said, certainly not. And I was like, I was just taken back by her certainty of that answer. You know, I've been a parent now three times, so I clearly still don't know what I'm doing. She does. Thank God for the moms in the family. And uh, so I looked it up. I Googled it. If you don't use Google, I duck, duck, goat it. And uh, I was searching on whether or not a child, did you know at six months is when you introduce solid food to a baby? Because there's something happened in the neurological system up here that is conditioning them to only consume what they're supposed to consume. And around six months, that's when things begin to change. Because there has to be development. And, and if, you, if you feed it too soon, there's going to there's gonna be a lot of damage done to the, to the baby then and to the baby's life in the later years. There's got to be a neurological system that has to be developed. There has to be some things that have to happen before they can start consuming. It's the same reason why we don't see newborns walking. Wouldn't that be weird? If my newborn was walking, I would have been convinced that I was in a horror film and somebody was out to get me. <laughs> That's because their motor skills aren't developed yet, their bone density, their head strength, their core strength. They couldn't do it until they're a year or 18 months. Or some of you, it's like three years. And why is God, why is not my kid walking yet? So sometimes it takes, it takes a little bit, but it takes some development. Imagine if God fulfilled the promises in your life too soon. You would not be ready for them. You couldn't handle them. You'd start walking in something that you thought um, was going to be for you in this moment, but it, it wasn't for you in this moment. It was for, for some time down the road because it was then in that development season, in that pruning season, that God was preparing you to walk in that promise. But it's not now. It's not now. There's got to be some development. God has a promise. His promises will be fulfilled. But while you're in the gap, it's important that in the development season, you are encouraged and not discouraged. Why, why do I share this with you? Because the enemy has a method of discouragement that if he can convince you and cause you to believe a lie, you will question everything about God and you will question everything that God has called you to do. But James 4, verse 7 reminds us, submit to um, God and resist who? The devil. And what's the promise? He will flee from you. Come on, that is a good promise that the devil will flee from me if I submit to God. Some of you have been submitting to the devil. Some of you have been submitting to the lies. And you, are, you have not seen the devil flee from you because you have, you have resisted God and you've been submitting to the devil. But today is a day that you turn it around and say, you know what? I'm resisting the devil. I'm resisting the enemy. I'm going to delete some, some phone numbers in my phone today. And I'm submitting to God. And you will see and begin to watch the the father of lies flee you. That is a good promise. Are you living in discouragement today? 
You know how destructive it can be. But today you need to be freed from it. Go to the book of Hebrews with me if you have your Bibles. Hebrews. That's near the end of the book. And it's before James. Hebrews chapter 10. If you got your phone Bibles, you just got to scroll a little bit. But if you got your real Bible, you got to. If you have like an old school Bible, you have to be very careful on how you turn the pages because you may rip them. So you want to be careful. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. You know, the book of Hebrews, we're not really sure of the writer, but it was right, he, he, the, the author was writing to a bunch of Jewish believers who were walking in discouragement. They, they were watching persecution happen. They were watching their friends die. They were watching people leave the faith. They didn't want any part of this anymore. And so the writer says, come on, you need to keep going. And so just, just think about the writer of Hebrews grabbing some, some pom-poms and saying, I'm here to cheer you on, okay? I'm here to, and in fact, Hebrews chapter 11 is all about, it's the hall of faith. He's like, let me go back and show you some of the greatest people in scripture. Let me cheer you on. Let me show you how to do this because this is gonna be so important for you. You need this. And so this is what he says. He encourages them. He says, you gotta keep going. You gotta keep pushing through. They wanted to go back like the Israelites and go back to their former ways because they can control that. Look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Come on. He who promised is faithful. If you don't get anything else today from the song we sang, I want you to walk out of here knowing that God is good and he is faithful. He is faithful. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And he's going to be faithful to fulfill the promises that he has declared over your life. So, so God is faithful. There's no place for a, for a hope that is firm one day and is shaky the next day. There's, there's no room for that. I can have hope. I can stand firm because I can have confidence because of the faithfulness of God. And so now what is my response? What does he say in verse 24? He says, let us, somebody say me, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider. I want to introduce you to what I'll call the principle of motivation. You know the word, the word spur in the King James Version uses the word provoke. You'll often hear it translated as to stimulate, to, to motivate to spur on somebody, to keep going. Listen, church, part of your job here at this church, part of your job is to help motivate people in their faith to keep going. Part of your job while you are here today. You just thought you were showing up because you were checking off something or because you're assigned to or because you're called to. Yeah, you know, you're here not just for the worship, not just for the message, not just for the kids' ministry, but you are here because of the people that are sitting next to you. Because when it's tough for them to keep worshiping, you're going to encourage them to keep worshiping. When it's tough for them to keep praying, come on, you're going to encourage them to keep praying. When it's tough for them to even show up to this place, you're going to encourage them to keep showing up to this place. When it's challenging to share your faith, because every time you step out and share your faith, you get denied by people, you get made fun of. But you come to this house, come on, you come to this place, and we're going to encourage you to go back out and keep dropping seeds. Because it is not your responsibility to save somebody. It is your responsibility to plant a seed and God will water it. So we're going to encourage you to keep on going. Come on, we're going we're to grab some pom-poms. And we're going to say, you got to keep on going. Come on, you got to keep 
I ain't gonna try anything, don't worry. But we got we gotta keep we gotta keep on going. Come on, I I did that when I was in high school. We had to be cheerleaders for for one of those one of those games, and that was one of the most um, incredible moments of my life, you know. But we're gonna we're gonna cheer people on. We're gonna tell them we got, you gotta keep keep going, keep worshiping, keep praying. When you're discouraged about your Bible because you don't understand it, keep reading it. Because that understanding, it'll come. It may take some time. You ain't going to get it now. And if you're a new believer, maybe don't start off in Leviticus, okay? I'm not saying you got to start there. Start somewhere a little easier. Remember, a baby's got to be fed, be fed milk. And then as you start to mature in Christ, you got to be fed solid food, okay? So we want to, we want to, come on, we want to bring out the pom-poms. We want to encourage some people to not ever give up. We want to leave that discouragement back to the person who gave it to you. Start considering, this is what the passage says, start considering, start planning, start meditating, start praying and asking for opportunities to motivate people and to encourage people. You may have no idea what the person that you're sitting next to is going through, but God has appointed you and assigned you today to sit next to them. Oh, that's too spiritual for me. No, God is very spiritual. And God perhaps has divinely set you next to that individual because what you have is what they need. And so perhaps today you are, you are going to be an encouragement. You thought you were showing up just to sing a song or two or to get some coffee. You showed up for the person sitting next to you and you didn't even know it. And now you got to bring out the pom-poms. And now you got to put that, all right, God, let's go. I just came here, I just came here, to, I just came here to receive. Here's the truth. I'm going to give you two practical things. And then we're going to pray for the Miami Heat to win game seven tonight. <laughs> Uh, it's good. We're going we're gonna to fast for the rest of the day, all right? Who's, who's on board? Um, you are in either two categories today. One, you are either an encourager, or two, you fall in the category where you need encouragement. That's it. You are one, an encourager today, or two, you need encouragement. You're at a place where you feel like you can give, or you are at a place where you feel like you are in need. That's it. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Let me go back to that first verse that I read it. That I read it. Oh, grammar. This is great. I need some encouragement on my grammar, okay? Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. This means that there are those who bring it and those who have got to receive it. There are those who have it and there are those who need it. And Victory Life Church is going to be a place where people are going to be encouraged and will bring encouragement. Amen. We're going to build each other up. So when you don't feel like going, you're going to keep going. This will be a house of encouragement. Amen. And so if you need it, you better show up. And if you know other people need it, you better show up. Come on. We're going to be encouragers, not discouragers. This is where Victory Life Church, we believe God has called us to be a house of worship, a house of prayer, but also a house of encouragement, whether you need it or not. And I just wonder, watch this, I just wonder what kind of promises you have not stepped into yet. What do you mean? But God is sovereign. His time is his time. Listen, I just wonder what kind of promises you have not stepped in, into yet because you've been walking in discouragement. You have now believed a lie that you're not good enough and that what God has called you to do, you're never going to see come to fruition. You're going to be like Elijah who runs and hides in a cave and says, you know what, God? I'm the only one left. Take my life. You're going to be the Israelites who are finding yourselves right at the line of the promised land. And you're going to be you're going to be one of the eight that says, you know what? We can't make it. 
We might as well go back in Egypt. In fact, we might as well have died back in Egypt. So I wonder what kind of promises we are not stepping into because we have been walking in discouragement. Maybe you're here today. You say, Jacob, I don't need encouragement. I am at a great place. Oh, you will one day. Your day is coming. Maybe you're like me. And you know what? I was going to share this at the end. But my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. How many of you are here today? And your, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. And I hope that my name isn't Jacob Bramos or Jacob the pastor or Jacob the father of three crazy little animals. You know, I, I pray that my name says Jacob the encourager. And I mean that. And if I'm not an encourager, please call me out because I'm going to need that as well. But I mean, I, I want to be an encouragement. I want to walk in encouragement. But I can only encourage because of, I've received it. And so, so I'm, I'm, I'm one of the, I'd like to be one of the, the two, Joshua and Caleb, when they approached the promised land and said, you know what, we can do this. We're bringing encouragement to this camp because it's important. But maybe you're saying, I don't need encouragement, Jacob. I'm, I'm like you and I don't need it, but one day you will. And you're going to need some encouragement from somebody else. And that day will come and you need to show up here and you need to surround yourself with a community of believers, people who can encourage you, not discourage you. That's going to happen. Encourage one another, build each other up. So, so how do we do this? If we're going to bring out these pom-poms and if we're going to cheer people on and we're going to do, we're going to do, some, we're going to do some cheers, all right? We're going to do some, some we've got to learn how to cheer. We've got to learn how to do it. So what does it look like? All right, let me give you two practical things, okay? Two things, write this down and then we'll pray. Number one, make sure you are bringing comfort. That's an interesting word, comfort. It's a little bit different. But you know, in the Greek, the word encouraged is parakaleo. That's the Greek word for encourage, which means to come alongside and bring comfort. To come along one side and invoke comfort and invoke encouragement. Sometimes all you need to do is just show up to somebody's house and say, I'm here for you. You don't need to offer any, any uh, this would be, I'm going to give you two points and I'm going to give you like two little sub points if that's all right. Number one would be don't be an expert. Don't be an expert on comforting somebody. Don't act like you know what you're doing. Don't act like you know what they're talking about. Don't act like you know what they've been through. Don't be an expert. Just show up to their house. Just send them a text and say, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. Just knock on their door and say, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to sit with you. Stop offering your opinions when somebody is grieving. In fact, Proverbs 18.2 is pretty clear on this. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing their own opinions. So sometimes the last thing we need to do is bring about our opinions in a moment of grief. We just need to sit alongside somebody and say, I'm here with you. I'll cry with you. Because if you start offering your opinions to me, in fact, sometimes, listen, and this is horrible to say in church, but sometimes if I'm grieving and you come throwing this thing at me, I know, this, I know God strike me if I'm wrong. But sometimes I want to run away from it because I know this. I believe this. I believe this. I just need you to sit with me. I just need you to sit with me. I think we do a great job of when people are grieving, when people are hurting. Come on, bro, let me give you this verse. Let me give you this verse. Come on, let me give you this verse. And I believe that these verses and scriptures can change somebody. I don't hear what I'm not saying. I just think sometimes, man, we just throw this at people's heads. And all they needed, all, all God said, I just need you to sit next to somebody. I just need you to show up to their house. You know, blessed are those who mourn, scripture says, for they will be comforted. Rejoice with those who rejoice. And mourn with those who mourn. There is a time of rejoicing, but there is a time of mourning. Amen? So we can't be an expert. But the second thing to the first thing 
is the level of comfort you will give will be the level of comfort you've received. You can't give what you don't have. You can't show up to, to somebody's house and say, ooh, ooh, let me let me counsel you through this, and you have not been through that. So you have to be very careful. I, I love what this scripture says. This is 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to God, this is verse 3, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. When you begin to realize your own brokenness, when you begin to realize your own grace, when you begin to realize that God redeemed you, saved you, and set you apart from a lot of sin, all of a sudden you have more compassion towards those in sin. Anybody agree with me? You start to step out a little bit more and show a little bit more grace because you receive grace. The level of comfort that I can give will be based upon the level of comfort that I have received. So I'm not saying you got to try and, you know, God, help me have the same experience to reach those who are hurting. God, help me have the same experience to reach. You don't want the same experience. If that's God's sovereign will for your life, then that's his will. And it might be his hidden will. And that's none of your business to know. But you're asking, God, help me have the same experience as them so I can relate to them. That's not what, you just need to show up to somebody's, somebody's house. You just need to, you need to show up to them and say, hey, I'm, I'm just here for you. I may not be able to relate but let me just be here for you, and let me just pray for you. I'll never forget, I was 21 years old, and there was a girl my age. She was dying of cancer, 21 years old. We were in our college group, and I was sitting there trying to pray with her, and I didn't know what to say. And so a couple of us gathered around. We laid hands on her, and we were praying. And in that room, I just started to weep. Now, I know some people that have gone through cancer. My mom has gone and healed from cancer. But I was sitting there weeping. And it was then in that moment that I began to realize that it wasn't that God was allowing me to feel her pain. It was that God was making me more aware of her pain. And when you start to comfort and come alongside people, it's not that you start to feel their pain. Maybe you can. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you said, I actually stepped in their shoes and I felt what they were going through. But they were hurt. I was hurt. But more, more than most times, God will make you not feel their pain, but God will make you more aware of their pain. And the more aware of it, the more comfort you bring, the more, the more love you bring, the more you are there for them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Here's the second thing. First one is make sure you're comforting them. The second one is make sure you're building up. Two things we've got to be sure of. If we're going to be a cheerleader, if we're going to cheer people on, if we're going to celebrate them, if we're going to sing songs, if we're going to put them on our shoulders and say, you're awesome, we, we're here for you, we believe in you, we love you, then we have to make sure that we're building people up and some of you will like this one because uh, sometimes we just forget to show up or we forget why we're supposed to show up. You see, here's what, here's what verse 24 of Hebrews, or actually let me give you verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together. God, send me some people who can encourage me while in my discouragement. God, send me some people when I'm failing at my business. God, send me some people when I'm hurting. God is like, the people are in the church. Why aren't you there? Don't forget to stop meeting with them on a regular basis. you got to show up. If you're going to build up, you got to show up. If you're going to receive that building up, then you got to show up. That would be like the, the little number one of that second point. If you're going to build up, you got to show up. you got to be engaged in people's lives. You can't be selfish. 
You can't show up to church for selfish reasons. I'm only here to get. I'm only here to receive. I pray you do get, and I pray you do, do receive. But I think Jesus also wants you to make sure that there might be an individual sitting next to you that needs some encouragement. And so God may have a, an assignment for you today when you walk out of these doors, not to rush to your car, but to hang out in the lobby and say, God, is there, is there anybody that you would have me pray for? Is there anybody that is dealing with some discouragement that you can have me encourage, God? Maybe you need to walk out of these doors and immediately call somebody because you know they're going through a hard time and they need some encouragement. You gotta show up first, though, to build up. I love what Hebrews chapter three says, and I'll close with this. Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, encourage one another daily. So this isn't just like a Sunday morning type of thing. This is a daily thing. Some of you need to set reminders on your phone. Some of you have reminders on your phone that say, Help me to love my wife. <laughs> Text her, you know, that I love her, which that shouldn't be a reminder. That should just be your second nature. Um, but maybe that also needs to be a reminder for some of you to encourage people. Say, I'm here for you, and uh, I'm praying for you. You know, here's a scripture that uplifts you. But this is also what scripture's gonna do, okay? I don't know why I chose to end like this, but scripture's also gonna call you out. Because if you wanna be built up, you might just have to be called out. Called out of what? Look at verse 12 of Hebrews chapter three. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The enemy is a liar. There's got to be a point where we have to stop saying, hey, I'm just praying for you. I'm just praying for you. I'm just praying for you. Come on. There has to be a point where we step up and write this down because encouragement needs to be wrapped in love, but it also needs to be wrapped in truth. Come on. It needs to be wrapped in truth. You know what? You've been avoiding this, and I know you didn't need this right away, but now you need it because you're deep in sin. And as a brother, as a sister in Christ, it is so vital that you step out of that because it's ruining you. It's destroying you. You got to get out. You got to get out of it. There, there's lies in it all. You have to flee from it. And so sometimes we got to bring up this passage. We got to bring up these words to say, hey, I'm not only here to encourage you and comfort you, but I'm here to build you up. And sometimes building up means getting called out. Now, I, I would say that that. It's not always fun getting called out by people you don't know. You know, you show up to church and some guy's like, I didn't like how you pulled up in that church parking lot. Never do that again. Like that, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna pull like that up to another church parking lot one day. But you need to assign some people in your life that aren't impressed by what you do and that are more concerned about who you can be and what you need to leave. So you need to find some people right now. Some of you know, you know exactly who they are. Write them down and contact them and say, listen, at times I may be walking through discouragement. Can you encourage me? But can you do it in love? But can you also do it in truth? And, I, and I'll receive it from you, okay? I'm, I'm not saying I'm gonna receive that from everybody because that's hard and I'm not sure, and I'm not sure how much I could believe you or believability you have, but from, from, from these people I can. And so I receive the love and the truth from that. Behaving this way is an important way of growing in maturity with, with Christ. There is a a spirit that I am praying for, that my dad is praying for, of encouragement here at this church. And, it, and it's gotta happen. It needs to happen. In fact, I told you, you know, I feel like I can be the biggest cheerleader because I've had people in my life who have been my biggest cheerleader. 
So I'm not just cheering you on out of an empty well or out of lack of experience when it comes to people cheering me on. I'm cheering you on because I've, I've been cheered on. I know what it looks like for people to grab pom-poms and say, Jacob, I'm for you. I'm for you. You got this. Keep going. Come on, keep fighting. Keep making it happen. Come on, keep preaching. Keep worshiping. Don't get discouraged. I know what it's like so I can give it because I've received it. In fact, the other day as I was preparing, I called one of my my mentors, one of my, one of my old pastors, and I just said, hey, you know what? Can I just tell you something? I'm preaching on discouragement. I, I felt the Lord call, told me to, to or, or I kind of felt it in my spirit to call you and say, you have been such an encourager to me. And I could hear he starts crying. And I'm, when somebody starts crying, I start crying. And I'm here in the middle of this like restaurant and I'm weeping, he's weeping, you've been so good to me. You've loved me, you fought for me. Things that I say are because of what you said. And, and it was like just one of those glorious moments. Man, it is, I'll tell you what, it is so good to give encouragement. It is so good. It's, it's also good getting it, right? Man, it feels really good. I'll never forget. I know Andy's not here. Andy's one of our worship leaders, and Andy's an incredible man, and, but Andy's an incredible chef. So Andy, if you're watching it online, you might have some people who uh, will call you and say, hey, can you, you know, if you invite him over to your house, he might ask you, hey, you want me to cook? I'm like, well, why do I want you to cook? Because he's better than you at it. He's really good. He's really good. That's just to bring a little bit of discouragement, all right? He's, you're not as good as him, but he can teach you. So he shows up to my house one day. This is a couple months ago. And I'm grilling chicken. And he's like, I was like, dude, you want to cook? You want to cook? He's like, no, you cook. You cook. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I'm like grilling chicken and I'm seasoning it a little bit. I'm like putting a little extra seasoning. And I'm grabbing some things that I don't even know where they are. I'm just like, oh, who likes this? I like grilling chicken. It's pretty easy. And so I'll never forget. And this is so minor, but I cooked that chicken and we ate it. And he turns around and he said, this is the best chicken I ever had. Now he may have been lying, but that's what he said. I can't tell you. To this day, I still remember that. And I'm still so encouraged by a chef who said, this is really good chicken, the best chicken I ever had. I can't tell you how much joy that brought to me, how much encouragement that brought to me. Even now for sitting at the dinner table, my wife cooks something, she's like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, but the chicken that I made for Andy? <laughs> hey, will you stand to your feet? Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you so much, God. Thank you for, for your scripture, God, which it corrects, it rebukes, trains, but it teaches us how to do what you've called us to do. Thank you for the promises in it. The promises that, that you have given us that maybe we have seen fulfilled, but maybe today we have not seen fulfilled yet. And in the middle of that gap, in the season, in that, that moment there, God, where many of us might find ourselves today, we've been praying, God, for something we have not seen it. Scripture says, ask and we will receive. So Father, we have been asking, some of us have been praying for some miracles in this place, and we have not seen this. Some of us have been praying for wombs to open up. Some of us have been praying for finances to show up. Some of us have been praying, God, for prodigal sons and daughters to return. Some of us have been praying for marriages to be restored, God. We believe the promises, but we have not seen the fulfillment yet. And it can be so easily um, discouraging, God, but today will you remind us that in this season, as we are waiting, you are preparing and you are developing us, God. So let us be encouraged in the development stage. Let us be encouraged in the waiting stage. In the gap of promise and fulfillment, let us be encouraged. And God, I pray everyone in this room has been encouraged today. But that they, they wouldn't just receive it, but they would go out and give it. 
And that we would consider, as Hebrews says, we would consider, we would pray about, about how we can stimulate, how we can motivate others to keep on going, to keep on pushing through, God. Come on, if you're in this room today and you need some encouragement, would you just lift your hand and say, Jacob, I need some encouragement in my life, my life right now. I got some things going on that I'm having a hard time with. I got some things happening in my family that I got a hard, come on, be bold, lift your hand up. Say, and, and you're not looking to me or asking me, you're saying, God, I need it. Come on, Jesus, would you bring that encouragement? So Father, all across this room, as hands are raised, maybe online, as hands are raised, God, would you bring encouragement? Would your scriptures bring that love that they need, but would it also bring the truth that they need? Would they invite some people who love you to come alongside of them, who are not all impressed with all that they do, but they would come alongside and bring the truth that they need. They would bring the calling out that they need to start walking in the maturity, God, that you've called us to walk in. Amen. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed one more time, if there's anybody in this room, you're saying, Jacob, I, I, don't, I don't know who God is. In fact, I've been struggling to understand who God is, but I know, I now know through the scriptures, through the, through the spirit of God that is tugging at my heart that I need to receive him and step into this. And if you're here, I don't want to miss out on this opportunity. If you're here and you're saying, Jacob, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I need to surrender my life to his promises. I need to surrender all that I am and everything that I do. My life has been a disaster and I'm ready for change. My life has been full of running away and I'm ready to stop running and I'm ready to start walking into the arms of God. If that's you in this room, under the sound of my voice, you're saying, Jacob, I need to receive God. I wanna pray a prayer with you. And in fact, there's a, there's a connect card in the seat that I want you to check off and I want you to find me or find somebody at the tent outside or find a, we might have a prayer partner or two up front and let us know. But would you pray this prayer? And would you mean this? And this is the moment where you're saying, God, I am a sinner, I'm far from you, and I, I am in need of saving. And then what we want to do is come alongside of you and, and help you. So all across this room, those watching online, would you all pray this prayer with me? And if, and if you're somebody in this room that needs this, would you really mean it? Come on, say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Show me how to start living. Show me how to start walking. Show me how to start trusting. Today, I ask for forgiveness. And today, I receive it. I will start calling you my father because I have always been your child. In Jesus' name, everyone. Come on, can we put our hands together for those that made that decision? Hey, we're going to spend some time worshiping a little bit longer. Maybe you need to sit in this for a few more minutes. Maybe you need to think about some things for a few more minutes. We're going to declare that the promises of God are yes and amen. And I can have a confidence because of his faithfulness. Amen. Come on, would you lift your voices? Would you sing? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.